Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is one of the most beautiful places on the earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Here with Mr. John Chapman today, who's known at the radio station as Chappie. Is that fair enough, John? Uh, That is. Alice uh, always refers to me as Chappie. At the at KVRE, listen, and, and I always say, as Tracy likes to say, streaming live. It, it ain't streaming dead. It's streaming live at ninety two point nine KVRE. Our media partners, who we could not be any happier to work with, they are delightful people, aren't they? A great bunch of folks, John. Absolutely, it's been fun working there. Um, I kept when I moved to the Hot Springs Village in two thousand and six. I realized very quickly that I was too young to retire uh, from a financial standpoint. Uh, and I had always wanted to work in radio. Uh, I worked in television, cable TV for a long time, and I was in sales for a while. Uh, but I never I studied radio TV broadcasting in college, but I never worked at a radio station. So I get to the village and I walk into KVRE in August or September of 2006. And it turns out that they were looking for a morning show host. Um, the very talented Little Rock DJ who had retired and moved to the village and was doing the morning show had had a stroke. And he was an older fellow, obviously. He had had actually had a stroke uh, in probably May of 2006. And they were looking for somebody to take over the morning show duties. The production manager, uh, Scotty Mack, was actually doing the show uh, and also running his evening DJ jobs Uh, So he was anxious to find somebody to take that morning slot. Um, So uh, they had me come in and work with Scotty a couple of mornings, learn the board and learn the format. And I guess they liked what they heard. And maybe only because I was the only person who applied, um, they gave me the job. (laughs) I don't know about you, buddy, but a lot of great things in my life have happened by default. Yeah, (laughs) I was the only one standing there. It's actually serendipitous. And we we moved to Hot Springs Village from Portland, Oregon. And uh, all of our friends in Oregon, uh, when we said we were moving to Arkansas, they said, Arkansas. And like it was, you know, a third world country. And it it really it's been a great experience, Hot Springs Village, especially. But as we traveled around the state, My goodness, there's so many beautiful things to see in Arkansas. And and it really does remind me a lot of Oregon uh, because of the natural part of the natural state. Uh, A lot of open space in Oregon as well, Uh, mountains and and what have you. So there's there's a lot of similarities there. And and folks here uh, like to do their outdoors, uh, much like folks in Oregon do. So it's, you know, it's not all that different. Just the accent. 
you have given me so many starting points. I don't even know where to hop on the wagon. I, th- this, I'll tell you what, let, let's start with, let's start with the forties at four, the show you're currently doing on KVR. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I think Alice said this week, and this is Alice at KVR at the radio station, Alice Bates, Nichols Bates, uh, who I think she said you were filling in for Tracy, the regular morning guy now. Right. Well, we're, we're recording this on Monday, March 21st. I don't know when it's going to air, but I'm filling in for Tracy on uh, this Monday and on Tuesday as well, the 22nd. He comes back on the 23rd. So basically, I, I, I did the morning show for seven years and um, retired, so to speak, from... Again? Again? Yeah, yeah. From the full-time duties. And, uh, and I said, look, I still like doing this. Uh, I'd like to be a substitute for when Tracy takes a break. And Tracy does. He likes to spend uh, spring break with his with his family. Uh, he likes to go hunting in the fall and uh, maybe a summer vacation. So there are plenty of opportunities for me to to get on the air and do my old job. And it's fun to do. I do enjoy it. I got to ask, and I've, I've seen Tracy a lot of times, and you know, I, I work with the radio station, do a lot of the IT tech support and, and, and fill in sometimes too. I don't know. I've, I've done, uh, I, well, last time you and I were on radio together about a year ago, I did the remote for you. I did, I was the DJ back in the home office and you were the remote out at one of the, the shows. And right. I, I remember thinking this is okay. And th- I like this. This is fun. I don't know that I could be there at five 55 every Monday through Friday morning and do that till 10 AM every morning. I don't know that I could find four hours of something to talk about. If you know what I mean? Was it, was that a challenge or. Well, it, you know, and the, really the good thing about the morning show is, is that the less you talk, the better off we are uh, <laughs> simply because we're there to play music and, and um, the, the station has a, a terrific uh, collection of CDs and even old LPs. Um, and so our, our main function is to provide music. What I liked about the format, what really appealed to me was that there was a mixture of uh, pop music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and country. Uh, so mm-hmm. we could play a little bit of rock and roll, uh, 50s and 60s, uh, oldies music, and uh, that's still the format of the national radio service that we have that plays over the air when we're not doing a live program, very similar to their format. Uh, and it appeals to the people who, who appreciate a good country song as much as they appreciate a good pop song. And that's it. the variety is what has made it so much fun to do. I have said repeatedly, and I'm going to bang their drum again for KBRE. You will hear music and I encourage your listeners, our our listeners and watchers go to KBRE, listen to the morning news, listen to the events. You'll hear nowhere else in the village, nowhere else typically on earth because nobody else is focused on on the village like KBRE is, but you'll hear one of the widest varieties of music. And that's what the popular world is these days. Nobody listens to just one genre. You know, everybody's got five or six or eight buttons programmed on their on their radio so they can hop around to a lot of different places. But KVRE plays nearly all that. Well, that's very true. And uh, something that we have found in the surveys uh, that come out that we actually subscribe to, uh, we turn out to be uh, the number one radio station in central Arkansas. Well, at least in in the Hot Springs and Benton area, uh, 
by the actual surveys. And in certain day parts, the morning show is extremely popular. And there are other parts of the day that are, are popular as well. And I think that's the very reason is the, is the variety, not only on our live programming, but also uh, from, the, from the network. Uh, so we're, um, we're, we're glad to have that partner. And uh, that provides us with programming 24-7, 365, in addition to the live programming. And, and a lot of online streaming listeners, too. Absolutely. Since we've uh, gone to kvre.com, uh, streaming live, as Tracy likes to say, um, it, it definitely has broadened our audience slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. uh, people find out about it, how people find out about a, a small family-owned radio station in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, if you live in Montana. I don't know how that happens, but we're glad that it does. We, we And we love Jack. What He's in uh, what part of California? He's in Fontana or someplace like that. He's, yeah. One of our favorite listeners too. That, that that all to say, let's come back around. Tell me the genesis of the forties at four. How do we get there, friend? Well, you know, it was, it, and I was thinking about that um, for our interview. And really, what it comes down to is is my becoming very familiar with the CDs that uh, that we had, and we had a good collection <clears throat> of music from the nineteen forties uh, that we could that we could work with. Um, both my wife and I had parents who listened to music and the music that our folks listened to was the popular music of the 1940s, the singers that they liked, uh, whether it be Frank Sinatra or Perry Como or Helen O'Connell or Vaughn Monroe or whatever. Uh, so we were exposed to a little of that music when we were growing up in the 50s and 60s because that was the music that our folks liked when they were in their 20s. And uh, uh, so I was familiar with that. And then when I, when I was a teenager in the 60s and we bought a, a stereo record player and my dad would stop on his way home from work and maybe go to a record store and, and pick up these albums. Well, you know, he he bought the music that he wanted to listen to, not the music, not the music that I wanted to listen to. And he brought he would bring home these big band albums. And uh, I'd listen to this music and I'm thinking, this is really great music. And I appreciated the music of the 60s, uh, but I, I really appreciated big band music. So the music of the swing era, the big band era, um, that clicked with me for whatever reason, music clicked with somebody and uh, that interest just stayed with me. So we had a great collection of music at the radio station. I was interested in doing a program and I just went to it. And again, a small family owned radio station. There's only two or three people there, the family members uh, who give you a go or no go decision. And I said, look, I could do an hour a week I'd want to do uh, a story behind the music and give a little bit of the background of some of the performers, some of the songs, how these things came together. And they said, well, if we can find a sponsor, uh, we'll, we'll do it. Well, it took a couple of months, but the sales folks went out and talked the show up and we wound up with a sponsor or two to get or started. Two. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and that's changed a little bit over the years, but sponsors do. They come and go. Uh, but we've been doing it five years now, and, and it's been um, five or six years. <clears throat> and 
we've slowly built up an audience. The other thing is that we knew in Hot Springs Village, we had a lot of retirees, a lot of folks that retired here in the 80s and 90s when they were in their 60s. In the 20 teens, you know, they're in their 80s. Uh, and this is an audience that doesn't get catered to very often, if ever. Um, I would challenge anybody to find another radio station that would give a guy an hour a week to play music from the 1940s. And, uh, and we find that people liked it. And we've got a nice uh, streaming audience, too. I don't know if you knew that. What, I think maybe you told us uh, that one week you found out that checking on KBRE.com, we had 800 listeners for the 40s at four. And that blew me away. Well, and, and John's being a little humble because terrestrially and, and internet wise, uh, you have one of the highest rated shows. People flock, pe people that I would not have thought, people my age and younger. There was a lady that was in one of my Sunday school classes that talked about how they never miss the 40s at four. They love it every week. And, I, and, and John always puts a great uh, mixture of trivia. And it's just interesting, John, every week. It's always just a great show. Thank you. Well, and that's one of, I, you know, that's one of the other things I think that that really helps the program is that good music just stays with you. It just stay. And, and when I, even today, when you hear a commercial on television that uses music like um, uh, some of the commercials that I've heard recently as background music will use music from the 1940s or the 1950s. The tunes are instantly recognizable, and for whatever reason, the uh, the uh, the sponsor wants to identify themselves with that particular kind of music and convey the feeling that the music gives you, and uh, and it's it's really cool uh, to to realize that some of these songs are 60 or 80 or 100 years old, people are still listening to. Well, I think the word is timeless. I mean, literally timeless, oh, yeah. uh, it, it be good. Like you said, it's, it's songs. My parents listen to songs, your parents listen to, uh, and, and I've made this comment many, many times about the KVRE here in the village. I've been, been living here or coming here for over 20 years. Well, 20 years when I came back, it was all big bands. That was all we played. And, mm. and that's transitioned slowly over time to more of a, you know, contemporary listening, kind of a top 40 type uh, music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s kind of thing, which is still, like I say, if you want a wide variety of music, tune in for Tracy on Monday through Friday. <laughs> you, you, you're, you'll hear you'll hear disco, Willie and Waylon, and then you'll hear a, a classic. It's, anyway, it's, it's great music, great music. Well, I've skipped around something I really wanted to hit on, John. I don't know that I know your story. Tell me how you got to the village. Well, uh, living in Portland, Oregon, I already told you that part. Right. Well, what uh, did you do there, if I can? Well, I was in sales. I was working for a company uh, that was a national, nationwide company that was selling VHS duplication services. You know what VHS is? The cassettes that we used to watch movies on, right? Yeah. Well, that was a great business to be in in the 80s and 90s. When DVDs came along, it wasn't such a good business anymore. <laughs> so from 2000 until 2006, we were able to help our VHS clients who were duplicating their masters 
for sale on VHS. We were able to help them convert their videos to DVDs. We had a contract to, uh, to subcontract DVD replication and CDs. So we could, we could do that. We could manufacture the CDs, but there was nothing, ex or, or the DVDs, but there was nothing exclusive about that. The customers found out that and you, they, people were selling DVD burners where you could burn 10 at a time and computers were coming along making advances with that. So very quickly, people could edit their own videos on computers, on a, especially on Macs, and they could burn their own DVD masters. And then they could contact a, D, a DVD company that owned their own manufacturing facilities and get their own copies made. So pretty soon we as the middleman, we were no longer the manufacturer of, like we were with VHS, we were the middleman. And that business model just didn't hold up. Um, so I saw that coming. I left the company in 2006 and they went out of business in 2008. Uh, so looking for places to retire in Oregon where we could get into an over 55 community, smaller homes, less expensive homes, whatever, not available. My sister and brother-in-law uh, lived in Oregon near us and his mother had married a guy that lived in Hot Springs Village. So she had moved here in her second marriage after her husband had passed away. When she was 80 years old, she married this guy who lived in Hot Springs Village and moved here. And this was in the 1990s. So we were, uh, let me back up and say that when, when my sister and brother-in-law retired from education in Oregon, they moved to Hot Springs Village and they said, you guys really ought to come here, meaning me and my wife, uh, because it's really great. So we came down and visited. This was in 2006. I was thinking about leaving anyway. Uh, we found a house. Uh, we put a down payment down. We went back to Oregon, uh, had a bunch of garage sales, sold our home, threw everything into a U-Haul trailer and, and moved on down. So that's how we got to Hot Springs Village. And then uh, our daughter moved up from Houston uh, to be here because her husband could work from home and do just about, you know, he could work from anywhere in his sales territory, which included Arkansas, as well as Texas, and brought his, uh, their, our grandson with him. So for a while, we had four generations living in Hot Springs Village. My brother-in-law's mom, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, myself and, and my wife in our generation, our daughter and our grandson. So well, that was great. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful story. Well, you know, everybody's got a story, um, but, you know, things happen for a reason. And uh, we were very fortunate that, uh, that things happened the way I did. But it was purely, I mean, based on a number of, decisions that other people made that, you know, then ultimately we wound up here and then we made the decision to come here too. And we've never looked back. It's been great. Let, let me stab in the dark here because I think I know this answer, but I don't. So I'm going to ask so many people that 
come to the village and they have such a preconception. Well, so you just come there and play golf all day, right? Do you even play golf, John? <laughs> I have played golf. I'm not athletic enough. Uh, or did I enjoy the game well enough to, uh, to continue it? I, I dragged golf clubs around with me and I had, I moved them here. Uh, they were a set of clubs that I bought in the 1970s. So they were almost antiques. And, um, but, but you know, the, the, the beauty of the golf courses in hot Springs village, even though I don't use them and I know that our dues help subsidize them. I like having them around because they're nice to look at. Not only that, but I'm a bike rider bicycles. And when a golf course closes, I can ride my bike on the cart path. So that's what I do. <laughs> so that that's your enjoyment and your entertainment. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get yeah, it. I figure as long as I'm subsidizing the golf courses, I may as well get some use out. <laughs> I think the part of that cart path is yours. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That and uh, the bumps from the, uh, from the tree roots that uh, come up like on, uh, Coronado, for example, uh, was out there the other day when it was closed for aeration. And uh, uh, some of those cart paths uh, do need to be repaired. Some of them. Some of them will send you flying on your bicycle, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, I tell you what, it has been a delight. I've always wanted to ask you some questions and kind of dig under the hood. Would you do me a favor? Would you consider coming back with us sometime? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that we didn't get into today that, that I'd like to some of the trivia that I've picked up. Uh, can I share one short story? Oh, with please, you? please, John, please. Very, very fascinating uh, to me, how things happen. You talk about accidents um, back in the mid 1930s uh, nationwide broadcasting was, radio broadcasting was really just getting underway. And the Benny Goodman orchestra uh, developed arranged some songs that were jazz tunes that they put into a format of basically three minutes long so that they could sell them on the records that were limited at the time to three minutes. And the arrangements they had became known as swing music derived from jazz. Uh, but it was unfamiliar to audiences at that time. Well, there was a radio program, I don't know what it was, on one of the New York radio stations that had live bands play from different venues starting at 9 o'clock at night and ending at midnight and, uh, and actually ending at 1 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Well, Benny Goodman managed to get his orchestra on a national radio program at midnight, Eastern time. Well, the Eastern East Coast audience was in bed by that time. Hardly anybody heard that music. But midnight in New York was nine o'clock in the evening in California. And the people who were listening to his radio broadcast in 1934 or 1935 heard the swing music for the first time in prime time. And that was really exciting for them because they were it was music they could dance to and music that they could have fun with at the height of the depression. So when Benny Goodman, and people didn't know about it at that time, he went on tour and when he got to California, his concerts started selling out 
because all the young people, all the people in their teens and 20s who had heard, heard his national radio broadcast a few months before were now coming to see him in person. Well, once that started to happen, once people noticed that California was getting all excited about Benny Goodman, well, what kind of music is this? And that's how the swing era started. And who was playing with the Benny Goodman Orchestra at the time? Glenn Miller was on trombone. Harry James was on um, trumpet. And Gene Krupa was on drums. And uh, they were some of the biggest names in music at the time. And they all went on to form their own orchestras after that because there was room. The demand was so great, there was room for a lot of swing music. And that's basically how the swing era started. Unbelievable story. And basically it's time shifting. You know, it's, it's, it's knowing, you know, and, and it's easy when, and I, at that time, and I know you know this, but at that time, so much of the media from the entire country was centered in New York and Chicago. Chicago was considered West at that time and everything else, everybody else just got something tape delayed or something like that. And Wow. What a great idea. What a great idea. I had no idea. I had no idea, John. Well, and that's the other thing that audio tape didn't exist then. So if it, there was, there was recording, um, they had cylinder recording. So right. there were ways, and of course they could make records, they could press a record, uh, but there was no, um, no long form. You couldn't record a two hour program, for example. Now they would have to continually change cylinders or something like that. So it was pretty rudimentary, yeah. uh, but, but live programming was something that, that people would really go for uh, because there was no television, nothing to do at night before you went to bed other than listen to, you know, Bob Hope or, or Jack Benny or Fibber McGee and Molly or whatever they were listening to. And then these live, orchestra performances. So you're right, a time shift situation and uh, live programming and word of mouth after yeah. that. Well, and let's throw one other in here. You know who else they were listening to? They were living, listening to Lum and Abner from Pencil Gap, Arkansas. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, Tom Nichols uh, at the radio station, KVRE, um, you know, he's, he's loaded with uh, trivia and lore of Arkansas and radio in central Arkansas. Uh, there's not much that he doesn't know about that. And, uh, um, and even Scotty Mack is tuned into some of that old radio stuff too. So uh, there's just a lot of information. You want to get some interesting people who are good talkers, uh, bring Scotty Mack on your, on your program or Tom Nichols. <laughs> oh, how many times do I have to tell you how many times I've whooped them over the head? Like, come on, guys, be on the show. Do you know what? You know, Tracy's been on the show with us before, but you will okay. not believe the excuse Scotty Gap Mac gave me. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. He watched the show with Tracy and he said, you know, Dennis, I just don't have the gift of gab like Tracy does. <laughs> oh, man. No, that cracks me up. That's the folks in the front office. You know, is Scotty shy about talking? No. Scotty can talk about anything, any day, any hour, any moment, any time. So we're, we're, we are going to get them on. We really are. I, my So far, I, I, I had a, a before the pandemic hit. Uh, I actually had uh, Tom lined up. We were going to go to do a one of my old shows, Village Venues. We were going to do a live Village Venues from the Malco. 
Ah. from the third floor of the Malco. Well, the probably the fourth floor of the Malco. And for what it's worth, I, let me tell a little radio story, if you don't mind, for just oh, some trivia. Yeah. So uh, those of you that, and, and we have people from all over the world listening and watching, so I'll define it a little more to them. At the end of what we call Bathhouse Row in Hot Springs is the Arlington Hotel built in 1923 because the last one on 1921 burned across the way and they put it, they moved it off of the National uh, 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 Park property across the street to where they should have been in the first place and built it out of brick, which is what they should have. And that's the one that exists today. Well, it had to hear Tom tell it, they they literally had a red light at the end of the street. OK, because when you and I are used to broadcasting, well, when you broadcast, you broadcast on a channel. Well, they didn't have channels. The stuff was so rudimentary. When you turned it on, it just blasted out every wave that was even relatively close. So you said, well, I'm, I'm 880 on the dial. Well, you're 820 on the dial and you're 1000, you're 1000 on the dial and you're all over the dial. Yeah. So Tom said that, that they had the, the, he was working at what was the Malco at K I got to get this right. K W F C which stood for Williams furniture company. <laughs> now, it, so, so, and, and the channel down the street at, at the Arlington was K T H S K. They transverted into come to hot Springs. That oh. license, that license was sold out and moved to little rock and became a TV license for K T H V. Oh my goodness. Is that not amazing? But he said they literally, they had a red light at each end of the street and they would walk out and look down the street and see if the Arlington was broadcasting. And then they couldn't because when one of them would broadcast at a time and the other one wouldn't. Uh, So like the twin spires of the Arlington, they had a huge aerial hung between those two spots and that's where they broadcast from. Wow. So he has a million other stories. He owes us. If you know what I mean. Got time for one more. Along the same lines? Sure, please. Well, I went to school at Miami University in uh, southwestern Ohio, which is about 30 miles north of Cincinnati. And uh, for an assignment in my radio broadcasting class, we had to shadow an announcer uh, at, uh, at a radio station. So I chose WLW, which used to be known as the nation's station. And the reason they got that moniker is because they had a, a giant radio tower. And I mean, giant radio, it was a huge radio tower. It's still there uh, in Mason, Ohio. And they used to be able to broadcast at 500,000 watts AM. <laughs> and for those, was, for those of you, let me interject. For those, for those of you who don't know, 50,000 watts used to be, that's the maximum by anybody. But 500,000 watts was the kind of stuff the border blasters pulled down at Del Rio, Texas. So to broadcast 500,000 watts in Ohio, please continue. Yeah, so that was, this was in the late 1920s and the early 1930s. They were, and at nighttime, the AM signal would carry all over the country and into Canada and everything. That's why they called it the nation station, because they could, they broadcast at such a, uh, a high power and on a frequency, I forget it. I think it was 700 uh, was the was the um, was their frequency, and they um, 
competing radio stations were really upset with them because at night they would be blown off the air. I mean, the only thing you could listen to was WLW. So WLW actually built a three-story conning tower, uh, a structure, and mounted machine gun uh, security guards on this platform so that nobody would come and sabotage their tower, apparently, or try to put their station off the air. This is a true story. Apparently, in the late 20s or early 30s, guys would run around and sabotage something if they didn't, you know, if it was something that was uh, causing them problems. Um, so when the FCC was created in 1933 or 1944, the Federal Communications Commission, uh, they put the limit on power, and I think it's uh, 50 or 100,000 watts. Maybe it's 50,000 watts now. I think it is 50,000 uh, clear channel. So there are broadcasters who are authorized around the country. There's not many of them that are considered to be clear channel broadcasters. And uh, those people have an obligation to be on the air in case of a national emergency uh, so that uh, people can still listen to AM radio and get information in case of an emergency. And only those stations are allowed to broadcast at 50,000 watts. One of my friends uh, is, is uh, Dale Seidenschwartz, who's actually Clyde Clifford that was at Magic 105 and KAY 1090 for a long time. And <clears throat> I was watching a special. He's a buddy of mine. And I was watching a special by Billy Gibbons, you know, with ZZ Top, the guy with the long beard, great guitar player. And he actually went to Cuba and he was there was a rock and roll club in Cuba. And they asked him, how did you hear all these rock and roll songs? And they said, Beaker Street in Little Rock, Arkansas, 1090, because the signal from Little Rock, Arkansas on a clear channel and clear channel by that, we mean people, there's no other competing channels on that frequency, but right. 50,000 Watts at night from Little Rock, Arkansas goes well into Cuba, well into Cuba. Uh, and Paul, uh, uh, Tom had another great comment. I'll just add one more. He said the 500,000 water stations that you were talking about, he said he had friends that lived nearby and they had fluorescent lights and the fluorescent lights would never go off. <laughs> they were just on all night long. So you, you it cut, it cut down on your cost of power. You didn't have to pay to turn your light switches on because your bulbs would just fluoresce all night long anyway. Interesting. And, and you wonder if that kind of power is running the fluorescent bulbs. Uh, that's also hitting your body, too. So Yeah, not, not a good thing. Not a good probably thing. Probably not. Not a probably good thing. Not. John Chapman from the 40s at 4 on KVRE. It has been an absolute delight. Thank you for hosting with us today. And we will talk to you again soon, okay? Well, Dennis, I have a lot of great stories behind the music that I'd like to share with you that I picked up. A lot of interesting things about some of the performers and some of the music. And uh, I look forward to coming on and sharing that with your audience. We're going to have to have you back. I promise. Thanks, John. For, Thank you. For Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. He's John Chapman. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.